If you have a Bible, I want you to turn to Psalm 23. Last Sunday, we started a new series that, uh, that I'm calling Living in the Overflow. And this is really a series all about the goodness of God. So when I talk about living in the overflow, I'm really talking about understanding the goodness of God and, and trusting in the goodness of God and then living and walking in the goodness of God. As, as David says, my cup overflows, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Now, one of the things that I shared with you last Sunday is that when we forget the goodness of God, it causes all kinds of problems in our lives. So we get stressed and anxious. We we immediately stop praying when we forget the goodness of God. And, and then uh, we stop thanking God for all of the blessings that he gives to us. And so, so the enemy of our souls knows this about us. And I think this is the point at which he attacks us the most. If he can get us to a place where we can doubt the goodness of God, where we question the goodness of God, if he can get us to a place where we can just be distracted from thinking about the goodness of God, then he can get us discouraged and depressed. Then he can get us paralyzed and passive, if you will. He can get us uh, stressed and worried. And it's this whole thing about worry that I want us to really look at today. This whole issue of worry and anxiety that, uh, that really uh, plagues so many of us. You know, the one thing that I know as a pastor is that so many of us have something to wor- that we're worried about, right? That we know so many, so many people really struggle in this area of worry and anxiety. And so uh, that's where a lot of us are today, even as we, as we come to church. And so uh, Rick Majerus was uh, the, the former head basketball coach at the University of Utah. And uh, he, uh, he had a funny quote. He said, everybody's worried about the economy. He said, the truth is my hairline is in recession. My waistline is in inflation and I'm altogether in depression. Now, I love, I love what he's saying there. Obviously, he's, he's joking, but I think the point of it is this, that everybody's got something that they're kind of worried about, right? That there's, something, that there's something we're all anxious about. And what I want to really lay before you today is this, and that is that worry is, is really practical atheism. You know, when you think about what worry is, it is functional atheism where we function as if God doesn't exist. And so worry is unbelief, worry is doubt. And and so what I want us to see today, that the antidote to worry is the goodness of God. And that when we are reminded of it and we understand it and we are trusting in the goodness of God, uh, it changes our life. It changes us on a day-to-day minute-to-minute basis. And so, and so I want to talk to you today specifically about the goodness of God. And there's, you know, as I said last Sunday, there is no better picture of the goodness of God in Scripture than the 23rd Psalm. And so I want us to take a little time and kind of dive into the 23rd Psalm this morning. So I'm going to, I'm going to ask if you're willing and able, would you please stand as we read the Word of God together today. This is a Psalm of David. He says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures, and he leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. 
and your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. And surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. This is God's word for God's people. You may be seated. Now this morning, I want us to really kind of microscope into verse 1. Where David says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Now, just on the, just a quick flyover, what in the world is he really saying just with verse 1? He is saying this, that, that the Lord is my shepherd and I have all that I need. I have all of my needs taken care of. Taken care of. In other words, I'm not worried about a thing. Now, that got me asking a question. How can we get to the place where David is? Because obviously what he's talking about is he's talking about freedom from worry. So how do you and I get to the place of worry-free living? How do we walk in freedom over worry and anxiety? And I think what Psalm 23 verse 1 tells us, the key to worry-free living is having God as your shepherd. I think that's what, I think that is exactly what David is saying. He says, I have all that I need because God is my shepherd. Now, I want to just dial into that. What I want to do is is really just kind of talk about three things today. I want to give you the foundation of a worry-free life. I think we see that in verse 1 of Psalm 23, the foundation of a worry-free life. But then I want to talk to you about the foolishness of a worry-full life. And we're going to go to Matthew 6, and we're going to look at that because Jesus talks extensively about about worry and and anxiety there and then I want to close by just talking about freedom from worry how do we how do we get there so let's look at the first one the foundation of a worry-free life look again with me at Psalm 23 verse 1 so he says the Lord is my shepherd I shall not want so he is he is making the case here that God is his shepherd and and David is acknowledging that 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 God as the shepherd is the source of of everything he needs to live. That's what he's saying. That God, my shepherd, is the source of all that I need, that all that I need to live off of. Now, there are two parts to having God as your shepherd, okay? So if the foundation of a worry-free life is having, having the Lord as your shepherd, there are two parts to having God as your shepherd. And the first part is this, There's the security of the shepherd, and then there's the personality of the shepherd. And I want to kind of focus on these two parts. Let's let's talk first about the security of the shepherd or the security of God, if you will. Part of what it means to be human is that we're all looking for security in something. Because we know by, by life's experience that this life is not very secure. Can I get an amen to that? Okay, so we all know that. We live in a fallen world. We live in a sin-cursed world. Things are not as, as God intended them to be. So therefore, there is, there's a lot of insecurity around us. Now, here's what's interesting is as people are looking for, insecure, as they're looking for security in an insecure world, people look in all kinds of places for it. Some people look for security in Wall Street, you know, their investment portfolio, A lot of people do that. Some people, interestingly enough, look for the government to be their security. 
A lot of people think government's God. And what's interesting about that is almost almost about 100 years ago, the government came up with a, a safety net program to help retirees financially. It's called social security. And uh, it's not very secure itself, is it? Because we know, I, I think the latest date is like 2029, it's going to run out of money. And what's fascinating is nobody's really talking about that, uh, but that's, but that's kind of the reality of it. So, uh, so it's not even, even social security isn't very secure, but a lot of people put their security in the government. Some people see their job as a source of security. Some people see their good looks as a source of security or their health as, as a source of security. So people look for it in all kinds of places. And what David is saying here is he's saying this, God is the source of everything I need. The Lord is my security. That's what he's saying. And church, I would like to submit to you that that is the foundation of a worry-free life right there. That's where it's going to come from. When God the Lord is your security. Now, now, don't miss this. You know, if you're going to put your security in something, you really need to put it in something that can't be taken away from you. You need to put it in something that you can't lose. Because if you put it into something you can lose, then it's pseudo-security. It's fake news security. It's not really security. It just gives you a feeling of security. But it's really not in reality. And so the truth is this, you can lose your health. You can lose, you can lose your money. You can lose your good looks. Some of you already have. Um, you, can, you can lose your family. You can lose your life. You can lose your mind. So it just doesn't make sense to put your security, to put to put your security in something that you can lose or something that, that can be taken away from you. What I would submit to you is the best thing you can do is put your security in something that cannot be taken away from you, in something that you cannot lose, which is your relationship with God. And so when you make God your shepherd, God becomes your security. And that's exactly what David is saying. David says that the Lord is my shepherd. Now, he's using this shepherd metaphor, the shepherding analogy. Now, I need to kind of throw it out, throw it out there. What, what is a shepherd? You know, most of us did not grow up on a sheep farm, so uh, they're not as common today. But shepherds are really people that care for sheep. So that's, uh, that's, pretty, that's pretty obvious. And maybe you don't know a lot about a sheep. We talked about this about a year, a year ago in a series I did um, called They Smell Like Sheep. And so sheep are incredibly defenseless animals. So so they are very defenseless. They have a, not, a lot of natural enemies, sheep do. And what's interesting is God didn't equip them with a lot of defensive mechanisms. So they, they don't have claws. Their teeth are not that sharp. They don't have great vision. They're not, you know, they, they can't hear very well. Not only that, but they're not very fast. And then added to all of that, is the fact that they're not very smart. So they're not very intelligent. So they wander off easily. They make dumb decisions, you know, pretty easily. And, and so they, they get themselves into trouble quite a bit. And what's fascinating is a shepherd has to care for a sheep from birth to death. 
So shepherd, sheep require the defense and care of a shepherd uh, basically their entire life. And so what God is saying is this, I want to be your shepherd. I want to care for you. I want to, I want to take care of you. And that's exactly what a shepherd does. A shepherd does three things. A shepherd uh, feeds, leads, and meets needs. That's what a shepherd does. Feeds, leads, and meets needs. And, and so God knows that we need all kinds of, all kinds of things. We need comfort. There are times when we need protection. There are times when we need guidance. There are times when we need encouragement. There are times when we need discipline. There are times when we need, we need clear direction. And so the goodness of God says that God will provide that for his sheep. But it starts with you and I seeing God as our shepherd. By the way, if you're a parent, you're a shepherd. Because what do parents do? Dads, what do you do at home? Feed, lead, and meet needs. Can I get an amen to that? Mom, moms, what do you, what do, you do when you're at home? Feed, lead, and meet needs. Uh, interestingly enough, do you know what the Greek word is for shepherd? Pastor. So as your pastor, my job is to feed you the word of God, to lead you closer to God, and to meet your needs. If, if you are a discipleship group leader, a D group leader here at Stones, guess what you are? You're a shepherd because your job description is threefold, feed, lead, and meet needs. And so God has promised that he will do that. He's going to feed us and lead us and meet our needs. And so that is the security of the shepherd. And that's where I would encourage you to, to put your security in. Now, there's the other part of the shepherd, and that is the personality of the shepherd. When you think about um, a personality, what is a shepherd's personality? What is, what is God's personality? Well, very simply, it's this. He cares for you. He cares for you. God, the shepherd, the good shepherd, cares for you. Just, just let that land on you just for a minute. He really cares for you. He's not a hired hand just to watch some sheep, you know, and then he's going to run at the first sign of danger. That's not what God does. God cares for you. He knows right where you are right now. He knows exactly what you need. That is the personality of the shepherd. That's why, that's why David says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I have all that I need. Why? Because the shepherd cares for me and he has met all of my needs. Even Peter understood this and he talks about in 1 Peter 5, 7, casting all of your anxieties on him because he cares for you. I love that verse. Because what he's talking about is this. He's, he's literally, that word casting literally is what you envision it. Like you're fishing with a fishing pole. What are you going to do? You are going to cast that thing. You are going to launch that thing and let it go. What is that thing? Whatever you're anxious about. Whatever you're worried about. You literally cast it to him. Why? Because the shepherd cares for you. That is. That is the goodness of God. It is God's loving care for you 
and for me. And that's what he wants us to do. You see this in Philippians 4.9. Paul says, the Lord is at hand. And because of that, do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, like you can't even explain it. It's so amazing. Will guard your heart. The peace of God will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So what is he talking about? He's talking about the care of God. And God cares so much as he gives us a blanket invitation to say, just whatever you're worried about, whatever you're anxious about, cast it on me. And the way you cast it on me is by bringing it to me because I am near you and bring it to me in prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. That's what he's saying. And so really it boils down to this, church. When you're thinking about the foundation of a worry-free life, you can panic or you can pray. It really boils down just to those two choices. If you panic, you're not going to pray. If you pray, you're not going to panic. You can worry or you can worship. If you worship, you're not going to worry. And so that's the foundation of a worry-free life. That is exactly what God wants for us. Now, let me, let me just contrast this with the foolishness of a worry-full life. Turn over to Matthew 6. This is the Sermon on the Mount the greatest sermon that has ever been preached. And so there is a section in the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus talks about really the foolishness of worry. He's gonna make a case and it's a very straightforward case and it's a sizable part of the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus' basic point is this, it is foolish to worry, why? Because you have the goodness of the Father caring for you. That's his point. That's what he's going to say. But I want us to walk through it because I don't want you to take my word for it. I want you to take his word for it. So let's just kind of walk through. We're going to start at verse 25. We're going to go all the way to 33. And, and, uh, and we'll just kind of walk through this and, as I make some comments on it. So this is, this is kind of the, the other side of it. This is kind of where a lot of us live on a daily basis. But let me, let's put the truth of God to that, all right? Let's just look at it. Verse 25, Jesus says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Now, what he's talking about there is this. He's basically saying that we worry about things that ultimately really don't matter. We spend so much of our bandwidth, spiritual, emotional, and physical bandwidth, worrying about things that ultimately don't matter. They're not going to matter a year from now, five years from now. And Jesus is saying, what are you doing? Your life is more than your clothes. Your life is even more than your food. As important as food is for our daily living, your life is more than that. Your life is going to outlast your need for food. Basically, what Jesus is saying is you're going to live forever. So why are you worried about temporal things? It doesn't make sense. You are a child of God. You, you, know, you should be worried about eternal things because you're going to live forever. And so, so basically, Jesus is helping us to see that life is more than first impressions. Life is even more than what we eat. Life is more than what we wear. Why? Because we're going to last forever. Look at verse 26. Now, I love this one. He says, look at the birds of the air. 
They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more, are you not of more value than they? Now, there's, there's a, lot of, a lot of things here, so let's, let's just camp on this. First of all, he's using an, an illustration from nature. So he's talking about birds, and he's using this illustration you know, from nature to kind of help us uh, dial into this you know, more specifically. And what he's, what he's saying by implication is this, ants don't worry, cows don't worry, rocks don't worry about anything, oceans and rivers don't worry about anything, horses don't worry about anything, nothing in creation worries except one thing, people in rebellion against God. We're the only things that worry in all of creation. You guys tracking with me on that? That's what he's saying. Birds don't even worry. And, and so, so the reason why is he's saying this. God has a list of things that he cares for, and you are on the top of the list. And if he takes care of the birds way down here, he's got the top covered. You can take it to the bank. That's what he's saying. Now, don't read this so fast that you miss this because this is huge. You notice the phrase in verse 26, and your heavenly father feeds them. You notice that phrase? That's a huge phrase. Get this. He's not the, he's not the father of birds. He's not the father of dogs. Um, he's not the father of cows. He's your heavenly father, which means you're in a whole nother category than those things. So if God takes care of those things, he can take care of you. That's, that's the logic that Jesus is trying to help us to see. He says, are you not of more value than they? Now, you know, one way you can kind of look, about, look at this is he's talking about birds and the value of birds compared to our value. When you think about it, birds really only do two things. They tweet and they poop. That's all they do. That's all they do. And as human beings, what do we do? We tweet and we poop, but we do more than that, right? And so God, God cares for us even more. That's, that's what he's saying in verse 26, all right? But let's keep going. If, you, if you're not convinced yet, let's just keep going. And of which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his lifespan. So what he's talking about here is this. Worry really is just a waste of time. If you just pull back and you look at it objectively, it's just a complete waste of time because you're not going to get anywhere by worrying. It changes nothing. So you're not going to get thinner by worrying. You're not going to get fatter by worrying. You're not going to get taller by worrying. You're not going to get shorter by worrying. The only thing that worry does, worry does not change the past because the past is already done. And worry doesn't change the future. All worry does is makes you miserable in the present. That's all it does. And so why do it? Jesus is asking us, why in the world would, would you do it? It just messes up the present. Look at verse 28. And why are you anxious about clothing? So now he's, he's going to go into this illustration of flowers. Consider the lilies of the field and how they grow, and, and they neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed, uh, arrayed like one of these. So, so he's really kind of talking about, I want you to think about how beautiful flowers are. I want you to think about it. If you've ever looked at a flower, they have 
they're very detailed. They have a very intricate design to them. And what's interesting about flowers is they don't have to get up in the morning and put their makeup on, put their face on, and look real pretty. They just, they just kind of are. And uh, even Solomon, with all that the resources he had, couldn't come close to looking as good as the lilies of the field. And what Jesus is saying is this, you know, it just, why are you worried? I mean, if God cares for the flowers, don't you think he's got you covered? And he does. And that's what he's talking about. Look at verse 30. We just kind of keep going through this. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? He would clothe you because you're eternal. And uh, the grass is, isn't. So he starts to chide them a little bit. He says, oh, you little faith, therefore don't be anxious saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things. And your heavenly father, there's that phrase again, your heavenly father knows that you need them all. So he's agreeing. You have needs and the father knows what you need. And he's going to take care of those needs. But look at verse 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Let that be your concern. Because, because why? The kingdom is going to last forever. Seeking first the righteousness of God is what's going to last forever. That's eternal. That's what we need to be worried about. That's what we need to be concerned about. And then he comes with this, a promise. And all of these things, he says, all of these things that we worry about will be added to you. Man, that, that is... That is absolutely, absolutely uh, beautiful. So basically the bottom line of what Jesus is saying is this, that worrying is just assuming responsibility for your life that God never intended for you to have. Why? Because what he says is your heavenly father's got it. You don't have to worry about it. You just entrust yourself to him and all of these things will be added unto you. You know, when I was a kid growing up, if I needed something, you know what I did? I just asked my parents. And I never worried about it. You know why? Because they always took care of the need. So if I needed something for football or I needed something for school or I needed something for this or for that, I just said, hey, mom, hey, dad, and bam, there it was. And I think that's a principle for what God is really trying to communicate to us as our Heavenly Father. So, that is the foolishness of a worryful life. What about the freedom? How do, you, how do you do this? I think that's really the question. Let me just close. Let me give you three ways that you can make God your shepherd because I think that's, that's the picture of freedom. He says this back in Psalm 23. He says, the Lord is, he says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I think really the first step that you and I need to take if we want to live a worry-free life is we need to ask him to be our shepherd daily. We need to ask him to be our shepherd daily. That's why David is saying, the Lord is my shepherd. He possesses the Lord as his shepherd because he knows the shepherd possesses him. Right? 
And so that's what he's really talking about. He is saying, I've asked him to be my shepherd. I look to him as my security. I look to him as my shepherd every single day. Now, practically, church, what does this look like? Well, let me just get really practical with you, okay? What this looks like on a daily basis is this. Before your feet hit the ground and and you start your day, you need to be talking to your, your heavenly father and asking him to be your shepherd. God, will you feed me today? Lord, I'm looking to you to be my shepherd. Will you lead me today? Will you meet my needs today? That needs to be your prayer before your feet hit the ground out of the bed in the morning. It really does. And you could really pray this 15 to 25 times a day. You really should. So before you go into that meeting with your boss, before you have the parent-teacher conference, before you start work, before you make a major decision, before you have to discipline your kids, God, I need you to be my shepherd today. Feed me and lead me and meet this need. That's, that's what it looks like. John chapter 10, verses 14 and 15. Jesus says this. He says, I am the good shepherd and I know my own and my own know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father, I lay down my life for the sheep. He knows you. He knows you. Here's the question. Do you know him? Do you know him as your shepherd? You see, you have to ask him to be your shepherd. Jesus is your good shepherd, and he will carry you if you ask him. You know, a number of years ago when my, when my boys were, were little, we, we went to Disney World. And uh, Disney World is a magical place, um, especially for kids. But it was funny because after a couple of hours, the boys, their legs were just shot, you know, walking around that park, you know what I mean? And what do they do? They just said, Daddy, will you carry me? You know what I mean? And, uh, and so um, it was a magical place for them because I carried them uh, everywhere they went. Um, and then I slept really great each night. But uh, so if you've been there with kids, you, you understand what that is all about. Really, when you ask God to be your shepherd, you're doing the same thing. God, will you just carry me? Because I really need you today. Will you feed me and lead me and meet these needs today? Because my life is in your hands. So that's what it means to ask him to be your shepherd daily. Here's the second one. You need to, you need to seek the shepherd first daily. I would challenge you to seek the shepherd first daily. So you ask him to be your shepherd, then you start chasing him. You start pursuing him first. Not second, not third. But first, now what do I mean by that? Well, first, you, we have to go back to Matthew 6, where Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God and all of these, his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. So what does it mean to seek first the kingdom of God? Well, in every kingdom, there's a king. And that king rules the kingdom. He reigns over the kingdom. So when you're seeking first the kingdom of God, you're saying, God, Just as you rule your kingdom, I want you to rule me and reign over me. I want you to be my shepherd king. And so that means simply to put him first in every single area of your life. Where he rules and you serve him. You see that? Now, why in the world would you do that? Why would you yield the rule of your life? to Jesus, the shepherd king? Well, honestly, biblically, because he is so good. 
He is so good. Like this shepherd king knows what's best for the sheep. And he's going to take the sheep to green pastures. He's going to take the sheep beside quiet waters. And he's going to restore the soul of the sheep. That's what he's going to do. And it's good. And so he knows what's best. And so we, we, we let him reign because he is a good, good father. He is a good, good shepherd king. That's what he is. Now, a lot of us, this is kind of where it gets a little bit dicey uh, because we start dicing up our life a little bit. And we start thinking to ourselves, well, I want, I want Jesus to rule this area of my life, but I don't want him to touch that area of my life. I want him to rule and bless this, but I don't want him to rule and bless that. You guys ever done that before? Because I know I have. And so it's like we want him first in our family, but we don't want him first in our finances. We want him first in our youth group at church, but we really don't want him first in our friend group at school. And so we start segmenting our life up and saying, God, you can go here, but you can't go there. Whatever area of your life it is. It could be your business. It could be your hobbies. It could be your thought life. It could be your social media life. It could be anything. And we get kind of regimented and segmented. And church, what I want to just tell you is you really, you really, you just, you just don't want to do that. Because here's the thing, church, every area where you keep God out, that's going to be your source of worry and insecurity. So as soon as you start building firewalls to keep God out of that life, that's the one area of your life where you're going to be insecure and worried and feeling guilt and shame because you're keeping God out of that. What we want to see, what we need to come to understand is this, that when we put God first in any area of our life, that's the area that he blesses. When you invite him in, his goodness comes into that area of of our lives and it begins to multiply. And so that's my encouragement to you is to, to let God be first in every single every, every of your life because he is so good. And so what this does is it, it really simplifies your life because it clarifies your priorities. It's like all of a sudden you just get in sync. You get traction and you've got the, this, you're seeking first the kingdom and you're pursuing the right priority. And man, just, things just line up because the blessing of God is filling every single area of your life. And so, and the reason why that deals with worry is because you're saying, I don't have to worry about it. I'm gonna let God worry about it. The pressure is on him. Does that make sense? So seek the shepherd first daily. Here's the last one, maybe the most important. Trust the Savior today. Trust the Savior today. See, for Jesus to be your shepherd, he first needs to be your savior. You first need to recognize your greatest need. Your greatest need has already been met in the saving work of Jesus Christ. Now, let me just shoot straight with you. You know I'm going to do that. So let me just do this. If you've never stepped across the line of faith, If you've never committed your life to Christ, frankly, you have everything to be worried about because you're up the creek without a paddle because you are all alone. You are relying on yourself. 
You're going to have to fight the battles. You're going to have to solve all the problems. You're going to have to meet all of your needs. And I'm just here to tell you, church, you're going to be alone and on your own, and your wisdom is not enough. Your giftedness is not enough, and especially your righteousness is not enough to meet the need. You see, your greatest need and my greatest need was for a Savior. Because the Bible says the wages of sin, the payment of sin, the consequences of sin is death. And all of us have sinned and all of us have fallen short of the glory of God. And so that creates a need. It creates a separation between us and the shepherd. A separation that we can't bridge. We can't fill the gap. We can't cover the void. But one did. And that was the good shepherd. You see, Jesus said in John 10, the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And that is exactly what he did for you and for me. Is he threw himself to the wolves and the lions when they started coming after the flock so that the flock would be saved. And so the Bible says, that Jesus was slain from the foundation of the world. In other words, our greatest need was taken care of at the foundation of the world. That's how much he loves you. That's how much he cares for you. So I would say the most important step today is for you to trust the Savior today to cover your sins. And you're like, well, Scott, how do I do that? Well, it's, it's really pretty basic. You just admit that you need a savior. You just acknowledge in humility, I've sinned. I've blown it. And my sin has separated me from a good, good God. And and then you not only admit that, but you believe that Jesus took your place on the cross as your substitute. That's how much he loved you. He laid down his life for you. And then you commit your life to following him. Commitment just means to repent of your sins. It's just changing your mind about sin and following him, the shepherd, every single day. And the Bible says if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. What an amazing promise. So have you taken that step? Because that's That's our biggest problem. It's almost like we think our problem is this big, but it's really this big. And in the grace and the love of God, he took care of it through his blood. Let's pray together. I know that there are many watching online and uh, many in this room that never really taken this step. And I just want to lead you in a prayer. And, and I want you, if this is where you are today, you want to cross over from death to life. You want to embrace the, the saving work of the good shepherd. I want you to just pray this prayer just silently to yourself in your heart. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for giving me your son. Thank you for sending him to take care of my sin problem. I admit that I need a savior. I admit that I've sinned and fallen short of your standard, your glory, your goodness. 
And I come in faith, in humble faith, believing that Jesus took my place on that cross. He took the punishment I should have received and he did it for me. Come into my life and forgive me of my sins. Set me free from guilt and shame. Set me free from trying to control my own life and fight my own battles. Thank you, Jesus, that you you fought it for me and you won. So I commit my life to you and I want to follow the shepherd all the days of my life the Savior Shepherd. In Jesus' name. And I just want to lead the rest of us in a prayer. Maybe you've been a Christian a long time and just with every eye closed and every head bowed, there's something you're just really worried about right now. And I want to just give you a moment of silence, a moment of silent prayer just to cast it on the Lord. Peter said, cast your anxieties on him because he cares for you. That's the, that's the personality of your shepherd. He cares for you. Will you just take a minute and just pray, casting them to the Lord? Go ahead and ask him for peace, the peace of God that transcends all understanding. Ask him to to give you that peace through the power of the Holy Spirit. So Father God, you know the things that concern us. You know the things that we need even before we ask. Lord, thank you that we can trust you. Thank you that we We know you've never let us down. And Lord, I just pray that as the enemy tries to tempt us or maybe we we slip right back into worry mode again, Lord, we, we can just ask you to be our shepherd again. Lord, we can just ask for you to feed, lead, and meet needs. So God, grant us that grace to do that. Grant us the faith to do that. And help us, Lord, just to put you first in every single area of our lives, Lord, because then the pressure's on you and not on us. Thank you for your security. Thank you for your caring personality. We surrender these to you. We pray this in Jesus' name and all of God's people said, amen.